Some people say they wish they could live in a book. Now I get it, but me personally, there is nothing like film and TV. New worlds, galaxies, unspoken laws and universes to explore. And I love these worlds. I want to go for a walk through Mordor with Frodo. I want to see time and space with Spock. I want to drive a car into a battlefield with Optimus Prime. I am obsessed. I rewatch and track the hidden messages, Easter eggs, and theories that come from these amazing franchises. So sit back, grab your popcorn, and let me take you through the finer details of these incredible stories. I'm T, and welcome to Theories by T. Hello, happy holidays, and welcome to the Theories by T podcast. I'm your host, Terrell, and in partnership with Sky Cinema, today we're picking up right where we left off last episode, still unpacking the wonderful, wizarding world of the Harry Potter films. To catch people up, I've been breaking down what made the Harry Potter franchise so iconic. Last week, we dove into the first four films of the saga, and this week, we'll be covering the other half. Remember, if you want to watch any of the films heard on this entire show, then head to Sky Cinema right now, because it's all waiting for you. Today we are back with my Harry Potter team. My super Slytherins are here again for episode 10. We have Zainab Jiwa. Hello, hello. And we have Brett Ball. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. Thank you again for joining me. Last week, we, of course, went through Harry Potter's films one through four. But after four, things got dark. And now dun, we're dun, cracking dun. into them. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we are diving into Harry Potter's five through eight. Those would be Order of the Phoenix, The Half-Blooded Prince, and Deathly Hallows Parts 1 and 2. Guys, I want to know your general thoughts on the second half of this franchise. Bro, I'll start with you. I prefer this half in general. Even though The Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite standalone, this is my favorite half. It's a war saga. It's darker. I feel like they're parts of a bigger story. So I love it. I love it. It gets way more in depth. There's way more to sink your teeth into. Mm, Z? I think Brett is wrong. <laughs> First time you, for everything. <laughs> you are incorrect. Um, I do not like this opinion. No, I absolutely love the second half of the franchise, of course. And he's correct. It does get darker. It does get more... The storyline is more fleshed out, yes, but one to four has a wholesome place in my heart. If I want to go watch it and have a good time and see the magic, then yeah, if I want to go see some, okay, follow one by one by one, as we've mentioned earlier, I don't think any of them are standalone films for me. It has to be all seen together. Mm-hmm. And it gets a bit heavy. And I think, is it Deathly Hallows Part 2? There was no Hedwig's theme in the intro. Ooh, and frankly, true? I don't know. Yeah, if it... but you know why? No, no, wait, oh, wait, yeah, hang well, on. Yeah. <laughs> I know why, of Rest course. But that's <laughs> listen, listen. I go How brutal. Bring that. That's an interesting detail. I didn't even. I didn't yeah. put those no, two things together. No, do you know together. why? I've remembered that for a fact because when I went to the cinema when that came out and it dropped and it's like this is the final one. Everyone's in the cinema. The day it comes out, emotional as hell. Where mm. they're like. We're going to cry. It's the last one. This is the end of an era. Everyone wanted that theme tune just to kind of, okay, because we know every, as I said last week, you better listen to the episode. That's what I'm there for. I'm there for that theme yeah. from the intro. Waiting for it. And then, no, just, it's dark. You see the Warner Brothers sign. It's like, doosh, into the film. And you're like, I, part of me hated that. And I'm like, where's the theme? But the other mm. part of me is like, okay, hang on. 
it's getting real. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's serious business. I, I, I personally, I enjoy when films do that. Maybe not for the last one. I know what you mean. You wanted to have that ceremonious out. I understand mm. the choice of doing that, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, also, we're picking up the story in like, Dobby has just died. Dobby's like, just you died, want something yeah. really like, Play upbeat me Hedwig's and theme. like lovely, like Hedwig's yeah. theme. Yeah. Play me Hedwig's theme. Dobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that theme changed lives, okay? <laughs> true. That's true. Now, before we dive into more questions, like last week, we're going to be talking about all the films and the plot of what happened. But I like to put pressure on all of my guests here. By all of my guests, I mean you two. Uh, <laughs> by putting a minute timer on the clock together, I want us to sum up Harry Potter's five through eight. Can we do it? Yeah, one minute for all four? Yeah, you know what? Yeah. Come on all right, then. All right, Come fine, on fine, then. Yeah, just run, just bang through it. Okay. What's that? Or well, 60 divided by four, some number. We can do that. Yeah. Let's go. Ready? Some minute on the clock. <laughs> Let's run through each okay. film. Three. Two, one, go. Umbridge. <laughs> nice. Uh, Voldemort wants a weapon that he didn't have last time, which is the prophecy. Yeah. Harry has lots of dreams. Correct. Come on, you got this. <laughs> no, go. Dumbledore, something really bad happens to him. Oh, yeah, he's awful. Um, and <laughs> Oh, then... Snape comes out as actually trying to help. Yeah, Shock. he yeah. jumps ahead a lot, Snape but that's fine. comes out of the no, villain no, closet. I'm just, I'm and... just mixing yeah, up, yeah. guys. The, the burrow burns for no reason. Dobby dies. Oh. oh yes, um, Voldemort dies eventually. Eventually, spoilers. <laughs> um, oh, there's the the three brothers and the the Hallows. Beautiful, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Horcruxes. Love yeah. animated. Main, main big yeah. war. Main um, big war. Neville yes. comes out. Oh, bam, bam. Yeah, Neville comes out, pulls out a sword. McGonagall uh-huh. basically says, "I'm the queen of this whole franchise," and stands by a window. And Seven Horcruxes are getting down. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah, bam, 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 bam. Love that. Fifteen seconds. Yep. Um, King's Cross. Weird little fetus. Voldemort. Voldemort fetus. Weird. White backgrounds. Uh huh. Yeah. Resurrections. Stone, Harry's parents. Harry's parents. Um, uh, and uh, then they all lived happily ever after. Yeah, they did. Do, Woo! Do, 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 Excellent work. Do, do. A minute done. Nailed that. All <laughs> of them kind of blend in one, okay? This is true. This is true. It's a, a, a lot harder. But that's basically the later films. Something about a phoenix, something about a prince, and we did it. Great stuff, guys. <laughs> yes. Oh, we've got the child us. army, didn't we? We've got the child, the child army. Oh, yeah, there was a child army. We'll get to that because that is an iconic that. scene for me. Yeah, I wouldn't mention Bellatrix as well. <gasps> we mentioned Dobby dying, and that sort of hurt. That's true. Her. That was her. Yeah. 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 yeah, Bellatrix. Yeah. yeah, if you're listening to this, Bella bitch. She was feeling oh. a little <laughs> strange. <Got it>. <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting straight into it. Okay, Order of the Phoenix, Half Blood Prince, and definitely hers one and two. What were your favourite films of the second four? I mean, they're all pretty good. I would say Deathly Hallows Part 1, as we've discussed, because there's that specific scene that I think for me wins it. I could rewatch that scene over again. It's the, the three trio take the Polyjuice Potion. They're running around Ministry of Magic. Drama happening, thrill, hearts going pitter-patter. Mm. That makes the entire film for me. And then you're kind of left at the cliffhanger, like, why are you leaving me here? Obviously, yeah. you're emotional, you're sad, you're ready for the next one, let's go. Agree, yeah. agree. I mean, that was a great scene. Very memorable scene. Maybe had a very sad ending. Yeah, uh, not that one for me. <laughs> and it's too sad. I think maybe controversially, The Half-Blood Prince is my favourite of those. Really? Four. Yeah. So it's my favourite book, and mm. I don't think they did it justice, but I do still think it does a great job of some of the important scenes. We get a little bit of Voldemort's backstory, which mm. I think is so important because until this point, he's just evil because you're told he's evil, whereas now you start to see his motivations. I think that's great mm. for fleshing him out. I think Jim Broadbent is fantastic. That scene where he's talking about Francis the Fish yeah. oh, mm. breaks me. We've got Farewell Aragorn, which is like the most iconic <laughs> oh. scene. I agree. Um, liquid luck. Liquid luck. Liquid luck. And I think it does a really good job of like humanizing the, these characters who until now, like the weight of the world has been in their shoulders and 
number of times, but mm. now more than ever. But it also shows they're still teenagers. Like you still have Ron and Lavender and Hermione with a love triangle. Yeah. You still see these juvenile moments with Harry saying he's the chosen one. Like, oh, but I am the <laughs> chosen one. I am the chosen one. Like, so I think yeah. with the stakes being so high and the world almost like coming to an end, it does a great job of just being like, but these are kids that we're relying yeah. on as well. Do you know what I mean? And so I think that sets the stakes so well for the finales. I, I think you're so right. It is also, I think it's a good bridge between the fourth film and then coming into the dark war that's happening. You've kind of yeah. just got that nice little nice little bridge. Yeah, because the Order of the Phoenix is heavy yeah. and yeah. it ends with serious dying. And then to give us one that's like little, lighthearted little in moments in the, before yeah, the death exactly, of the Phoenix, yeah. like, exactly. absolutely right. It's yeah, true. it might have to change mine. And, and an adventure in between like Phoenix and Hallows makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Fair. I'm a child. I definitely Hallows Part 2 because action-packed, crazy adventure and it's just I'm 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 the oh, equivalent yeah. of people who say that their favorite Marvel movie was Endgame. It's like, yeah, okay. I think that's valid. I think you're it, fine. Yeah, it's a safe answer. It was fine. a good bit of closure. It yeah, I think Hallows. I think Hallows was a great bit of closure. I think it had for me it had some of the most memorable moments of that side of the franchise. I think of like Neville pulling out the sword. Yeah, I think of like McGonagall guarding Just everyone. Icons are born. Yeah, all of like yeah. the all of the characters that you liked as like supporting characters got their big moments yeah. in part two. I feel which I really enjoyed. You know, Harry going to like Wizard Heaven was an odd choice, but like it's all memorable. It's all that you, your mind goes to all of these scenes, in, in my opinion, when you think about the franchise. So yeah, I think also that the was... hug, the Voldemort hug, the Voldemort hug. <laughs> I, I needed to mention that because that I think was an iconic moment. Mm-hmm. Because part of me was, what is happening? The other part was just like, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are my favorite moments in general of the franchise. Give me some more of yours. Well, when we have Polyjuice Potion again back in business, probably my favourite potion to exist, we get the multiple Harrys in a room Great. just deciding mm. what's happening, what's where we're all running around. Uh-huh. And yeah, T, you mentioned earlier, like they could have just gone for the correct Harry the, and yeah, ruined that's, everything. That's one of my the weirdest things to look back on of the franchise, which is like, oh, it sounds like a cool idea. Like, which one's the real Harry? Like, they'll never figure it out. But like, you could have just gone for like, none of the, hide who Harry was and then none of them are Harry. And then they're like, oh, wait, which one's, like the percentage wise, if they just go up and kill all the Harrys, then there's a good chance they'll they'll get <laughs> the right get Harry. The right like, Harry's not safe in this in this instance. Whereas if they were just all like I don't know runs, then it's like well, we, we, don't want, we don't need nine of these guys. We need one yeah. of them. So yeah, I mean the, well, the the thing is though, Voldemort's like don't kill Harry, save him for me. Yeah. So actually, like oh, I guess they kind of didn't want. Yeah. But, but also you're just putting the target on six other people's backs. Yeah, like, it's not really. You want to protect Harry, but like you put everyone else in danger. Yeah, like take a Muggle's hair from the street, give that to him. In apologies potion could have been any. One. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Harry I, himself was still in danger regardless. <laughs> yeah. I also think, obviously still very sad, but the twins as well. You know, when, oh, and he's like, I'm holy. And then it's like ends on a joke when he's dying. And it's like, mm. this, that's their whole persona. And it, yeah, that was iconic moment for me. Beautiful. Yeah. And we discussed the animation of the Three Brothers tale. Oh, gorgeous mm. animation. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, really beautifully done. I mean, the twins, I want to point out, like the Phelps brothers. They're the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh. Twins in real life. Yeah, and, and, and well, there you go. They didn't find out at the yeah. audition. They, they were just two random guys called Phelps and then <laughs> Michael's kids. One no. of my favorite interviews to exist, by the so way, because <laughs> they just are their own characters. Yeah, like, they, they are. are the characters. They're so teaseful and playful. Yeah. Um, but I think they're two actors that I find gave great performances in, mm-hmm. in that movie, but also are just underrated in terms of their acting. Oh, 100%. I wanted to shout them out. They were. They were yeah, especially because I can imagine, especially a young, the young age where they got the role, mm. trying to do like comedic timing and that mm. being your whole character must yeah. be so much pressure when you're like, what were they like, thirteen when they got cast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and that? again, around all of these big theatrical, I mean, a lot of people like um, Maggie Smith and, and all the rest of them were very much 
big theatrical actors mm. as well, which means by nature, they also have really good natural comedic timing. So yeah. the pressure of all of these icons above you watching yeah. you mm-hmm. have to kind of deliver that like movie to movie yeah. is a lot. And they still smashed it. Like, I think really they're good. one of my favorite supporting roles mm. in the entire franchise. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So While we're on iconic moments, can we yeah. just talk about Voldemort and Dumbledore having that fight at the end? Ooh, the Voldemort Felix? versus ooh, ooh, ooh. Dumbledore. The that is the greatest duel, I think, in the whole series. That is like, what, what, that's in, that's got to be, I mean, I'll say this for another thing, but it's got to be in like top 10, like at least magic duels of like, oh, for me, it yeah. has to be film yeah. history. You know that's I mean? up there with like Gandalf fighting the Balrog. Yeah. Exactly. Like, because exactly. listen, we're, le- we're yet to see Dumbledore really show his uh-huh. all, right? Yeah. He's known as the great, you know, Dumbledore. Yeah. So like, show me what you got and this is when it happens. Yeah, it's yeah. sort of the only time you see it too because obviously yeah. then he just, he dies before he the Battle of Hogwarts. Yeah. It's so like, you don't really see him with that. Like, it's, oh. it's almost like that's there that sets up why the death of him later on is so much more like, oh, oh yeah. well, we're fucked. Like, uh-huh. You know what I mean? We lost yeah. our, our like big gun. The, the main guy is he gone. Was, he's the big gun of Hogwarts. It's like, ah, it's a lot, but Dumbledore's there. Do you know what I mean? We're yeah. fine. You know? Now he's not there. Now he's he? not. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then right. again, you, you talked about like the how the second part of the franchise makes you realize, oh, shit, these are kids mm-hmm. dealing with this very big issue. So then when the, the big parent of the franchise gets taken out, you're like, oh, well, you're fucked. Yeah. Like, exactly. <laughs> you're still a child. You're still children. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think another big part of this uh, second half of the franchise that I really found interesting was that there's, as much as Voldemort is the big villain, we've got so many more villains. Yes. You know, you've got Bellatrix, you've got, um, well, Umbridge gets a bigger stance as well. Mm-hmm. Villains, antagonists, whatever you want to call them, there's like so many more people to, to fear. So outside of Voldemort, what other like are the baddies of Voldemort's little cult? The squad. Little mm-hmm. squads, did you find iconic? <laughs> There's Umbridge, the classic. Mm. Like, look, I think we touched on this last week. If you haven't yeah. listened to it, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, also, this is your second time we've said it. Yeah, <laughs> what yeah. yeah. She, but she's such a relatable evil. Like, yeah. she's like somebody abusing their power, yeah. someone who's like pretending that they're doing it all in the name of like good and authority, but actually yeah. it's just like self serving. Do you know what I mean? Like, Very much. It's and you've got maybe... that sugar coated smiles oh, and just, yeah, incredible acting. Mm. Yeah. She, she, she reminds me of, I, I, I don't know if this, this is, I could be wrong here, but I feel like her character is just based on like, I don't want to be too mean to teachers, but that teacher at your school that you know no one likes and is like really mean for no reason but and crazy too harshly. No one likes and they them. know and they like that no one likes them. Yeah. They like that they prefer the fear yeah. than yeah. to be liked. The chin's always up and they're I have to act like the cool, calm teacher, but also I hate you little bricks. <laughs> um yeah. I, always one. So when it came out, Stephen King actually came out and said that Umbridge was the best fictional villain since Hannibal Lecter. Fun fact. Wow. Really? Yeah. Which since is, Hannibal which is, Lecter, you yeah. know? Mm. I mean, Stephen King says this love him. Yeah. I love his. I love that he <laughs> never. No matter what happens, he will always say something about a film like. The film had nothing to do with him. Bless but him. he was correct he in, was. That, mm. in that moment. Oh, she's so well done. Such a oh, good she's and like I say, like later on, we get Voldemort's backstory, so he's fleshed out a bit more. But to mm. that, I think, given him one book you feel more strongly about how much you hate Umbridge than you have Voldemort across five books at that yeah. point. Yeah. Or five films. I think that's really impressive to put a villain in like that mm. and they're mm. so insidious. Yeah. Just like, Especially because Voldemort, other than arguably Malfoy himself, mm. has, has been built as the Harry's sort of antithesis. He's like yeah. Harry's it's main Harry's, enemy. Yeah. Yeah, because from the school point of view, yeah, cool. Like Malfoy is kind of like the pain in his side. But other than maybe in one or two key moments, Malfoy has never really been like the, the big yeah, threat. Yeah. Whereas Voldemort's been the big threat. So when you have all these other antagonists that you identify as, oh, you're the main villain, mm. to add extra villains in and for them to still be as memorable and as iconic as they were, mm-hmm. says a lot. 
also because she's, you know, part of the school mm, antagonist yes. in a way. She's on the right side, technically. So, yeah. mm, is she? Yeah. Um, well, at least at that point. She's yeah. At that point. Yeah. 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 And then I, I, you know, I'd argue Snape, right? From mm. where we, before we have the reveal, it's like, is he good? Is he bad? If you're not aware, you're at the point of, oh, which yeah. side do I go on? Yeah. And then he has his reveal and you're like, oh, not a villain. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an iconic moment for villainry for me. I mean, let's talk about Snape. Like, what a guy. What a guy. Yeah. Alan Rickman. Oh. Just oh, my gosh. Alan Rickman does such a good job. Such a good job. Don't think anyone else could have done it as well. Mm. No. Again, I think that's a lot of characters in this, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot of actors in general in the franchise that I feel like I couldn't see another actor playing, which I don't say that about a lot of films. Mm. I think a lot of people say that in general to their favourite actors, but, but I'm no. always like, I can kind of see this guy. Yeah, Harry Potter is not one of those Snape. franchises. Mm-hmm. Snape, Voldemort, Umbridge, McGonagall. McGonagall. Yeah. Put anyone else that are, that are great actors, you can go, oh, that person might have that role, would not have no. done, done the job justice, which I think the recasting of like of Dumbledore was going to be such a difficult, role, difficult yeah. thing for mm. them because Richard Harris was so powerfully in that role I think they did a great job in the recast but mm-hmm. that that says a lot about how they choose the actors for these films yeah. but Snape that stride God. you know just the stride with the yeah. cloak you know the yeah. stride oh just that I think mm. he does such a good job of like towing the line of like morally grey right because, yeah. because uh, like he sacrifices himself to save everyone right ultimately probably on the right side of history mm. but it's still Bullies children. Yeah, in his still age. morally grey. Still, yeah, still yeah. like, still not really. And I think still I just, mean. <laughs> Alan Rickman does it so well. But yeah. Like the deadpan, the like, you can sort of see the hatred in him, like how yeah. much he's seething every time he has to interact with Harry. Yeah. Like, and you, in in the Order of the Phoenix, you see it in that like the occlumency lesson when Harry like reverses it and goes into Snape's memories and sees Snape being bullied by Harry's dad. Yeah, and you just I feel like Alan Rickman's oh. expression. He's like, get out. It's so good. It's he's so like good. letting out the backstory of his character in everything he says yeah oh, I think more, probably more than any other actor in the franchise I think Alan Rickman really understood Snape and this other than maybe I guess like Michael Gambon like I he understood Snape to a point where like okay yeah in the first few films I'm like people think I'm the villain so I'll act as such but it's like no in these first few films I'm gonna act as the villain but I'm also gonna carry the awareness mm-hmm. that there's gonna be the switch up that I have this very withered and very important mm. backstory yeah. and I have to I have to, my personality when I talk to Harry is gonna be different to when I talk to Dumbledore and when I talk to McGonagall because each person knows something different mm-hmm. and he's it's like his his Alan Rickman's brain was always on when he was playing Snape. Yes. He was always aware of what Snape would do in every given moment. He's not just kind of in any default mode. He's always thinking about the next move. Mm-hmm. I, I love, I love a character like that. Yeah. yeah. Beautifully written as well. Beautifully done. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. That voice. Yeah. Everything. Oh my gosh. Gosh. Iconic. There's a moment in the Deathly Hallows where McGonagall is like shooting him with spells. Yeah. And if you watch it closely, because like at this point, Snape is the bad guy. He's killed Dumbledore and nobody really sort of knows that he's actually on the right side of things. But if you watch closely, he doesn't cast any spells back. He deflects McGonagall's spells to take out the two baddies behind, behind him. Behind him. And then he flies out the window, and which I just think is such an incredible Smart. detail. Oh, yeah. See, again, I think, well, they, they have, I think films that are based on books and based on pre written fiction. You have the the benefit of knowing where the character is going to end yes. up to really build, mm-hmm. but not a lot of films do that. If we're being honest, not a lot of films think of oh my character is here, but in the book they're going to go here. So it's the visual draw... placement of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, I think Alan Rickman he never undervalued the story of Snape. Mm-hmm. He was like Snape is not just this one person in an individual film. He's this mm-hmm. whole story. He's this whole important piece. So yeah, even details like that, the directors also had to be like, okay, no, Snape needs to be very interesting. Him and Dumbledore, I think, are both equally like. They know a little bit more than they let on. I want to know more. I feel like I would prefer a spin-off on these two characters specifically. Like a Dumbledore spin-off on his entire life Mm -hmm. and a Snape one too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Dumbledore and and, and Snape are the two that I would 
I would want full focuses on. I think mean, franchises do the odd prequel and what about this character's backstory? Mm. I guess they it was an attempt with the Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find, yeah, and where I, to find I Them. I think to its detriment, I think it mm. focused too much on Dumbledore and that's why it, like I think, struggled. Yeah. I think if it stayed with new and like Fantastic Beast stuff. Yeah, well, I think if it did one or the other. Exactly. I think if you're yeah. going to give me a Dumbledore story, then don't waste... Don't don't I try and make it I didn't fit even into count Luke's story. the Fantastic mm-hmm. Beasts as Dumbledore's story in mm-hmm. my eyes. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. It, it was uh, it was an unnecessary way for them to try and fit, but it was like a, a what do you call it? Like a square peg in a round in yes. a round hole. Yeah. Exactly. It was right. like both work, but they don't work together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where those films yeah. maybe aren't as memorable. Like not to say I think there are of course loads of fans of the Fantastic Beasts movies. And I think I, they were very entertaining. I don't think sure. I was bored even once. For sure, yeah. I think it's hard to go from. A passionate fandom of eight movies deep yeah. and and and, and uh, what was it, seven books to then go into this new franchise and go in with all the knowledge that you already have and mm. then kind of get it flipped and get a tonal change and yeah you know it's, it's it was a tricky it was, they, they had a tricky job to do there yeah, um and i don't put that on any of the actors in those movies but yeah it was a hard one and i mm-hmm. think i agree i think i would love a snape more of a snape story yeah in depth mm-hmm. For the next game, um, you guys will be teaming up. I have the answers over here on my side of the desk. You guys will be teaming up to work this out. The game is the top 10 Harry Potter spells according to a list by Collider. And you guys together try to work out what those 10 are. We have to guess in, yes. in their order. Not in their order. You say it, I'll tell you what the number. Can are. I start? Please, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've got to say my fave, Lumos, has to so be that on is there. Iconic. Lumos is number one. Lumos is the Amazing. most popular. And so am I. Fabulous. Hey. <laughs> Excellent stuff. I feel like, because it's the only spell Harry uses through the whole thing, Expelliarmus has to be on there, right? Expelliarmus is 10. Oh. What? Okay. Is iconic? I guess 10th okay. most popular overall, but lowest in this what list. about? It's Liviosa, not Liviosa. Yes. Wingardium Liviosa. Wingardium Liviosa is 7. Okay. Ooh, okay. Okay. I'm trying to think what the criteria are. Yeah, I would have mm. put that as 2. Yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be, oh, move over, Alohomora. It's <laughs> a good one. Thank you. Alohomora is not here. Oh, grow up. <gasps> grow not up. in the top 10. What? I would put that on there. I forgot, I forgot you what You put me on such a pedestal before. I know, sorry. <laughs> this just proves that you know the niche stuff. Yeah. You know the yeah. details. Yeah. I would argue, you know, there's a good couple. You okay. Guess, keep, keep what going. about? Humanaganabra. Avada Kedavra is nine. Akio's got to be on there, right? The Akio. summoning charm. Akio. Oh, I love that. Akio is three. Defindo. We've got Bombarda. Nope. We've got Morse Morda. Nope. We've got Scourgeify. Nope. We've got Nox, which puts out Nox. Lumos. I, I, I thought I Nox would be Nox. here. I thought Nox would be here. It's not oh Lumos, goodness. but not Nox. Oh, I'm, just, I'm drawing a blank here. Well, not drawing a blank. I've named loads. Yeah. Um, actually, um, this is so me. Again, like one or two of these, I feel like oh, if fine. you keep rattling off, you, you, yeah. you'd get. Like they're, they're top of the mind ones, but okay. you'd become annoyed if you forgot, you'd forgotten. Yeah, you're going to have to tell us. I'm tell not going to get these. All right. So you guys correctly guessed 10, 9, 8, and 7, which were Expelliarmus, Avada Kedavra, Expecto Patronum, and Wingardium Leviosa. Six was Petrificus Totalus. Totalus. Petrified. Um Again, I thought if you kept guessing, you might have got there. Um, five again. This this is the one I think I would have guessed if you had kept guessing. You might have got Obliviate. Oh my okay. god! Obliviate, yeah, I feel like is a commonly yeah. used yeah. one. Four was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Ah, that is iconic. That's, That's one of my favourites, yeah. and I didn't even clock. You got three, which was Akio. Two was Sextum Sempra. Oh crikey! Someone who wrote this was just morals I wouldn't are have placed that as two. Again, same. Like, like I hear it, and I'm like, oh yeah, that It'd one. It'd be a seven. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd put it some, maybe somewhere in top 10. Mm-hmm. Popular-wise, I wouldn't put it above Wingardium, Expecto. Absolutely the, not. Like, yes. No way. And then one was Lumos. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
I, I feel ashamed of myself. No, you did. You did pretty well. You so named all. You? Thanks. I got three. <laughs> Thank you. Right, guys. Well, yeah, thank you again for joining me. I couldn't know you enough. It's really fun having guests on. Brings a whole new dynamic to the entire uh, Theory of Party podcast. Before you guys run off and leave the building, I do want from both of you, give me your thoughts on the entire Harry Potter franchise in one sentence. Yeah, sum it <laughs> all up. I'm going to be a yeah, big pain in the ass. <laughs> I think this entire franchise encompasses my entire childhood personally due to the fact that... It immersed me in a world of magic, emotions, and thrill all at the same time while... Oh, it's a long sentence. It's a lot of commas and semicolons in here. It's fine. Um, yeah, while involving so many characters that you fall deeply in love with, and I would still return back to watch it every single year without fail. I love that. Oh, yeah. beautiful. That was lovely. Yeah. Cute. <laughs> on, I, I can't say it any better than that, but I can say it more concisely. <laughs> Comforting nostalgia. Comforting. You've got nostalgia. two words. It's, it's comfortable. It reminds you of being younger, like watching it like at Christmas and and sort of or you know if you're not feeling very well, it's always my like poorly film. So mm. the sort of the comfort and the nostalgia of growing up with it. That's what I associate with the films. I think it's also just got such a beautiful you know fandom, people, a, a nice community that kind of everyone loves this space. You yeah. know, so yeah. Beautiful. Well, yeah, I'll post that on social media with the Hedwig theme and then a viral video. <laughs> Hedwig theme! <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you guys so much for joining me. But for now, though, if you're listening, don't go anywhere because I'm about to crack into all of the fun behind the scenes details and Easter eggs of this amazing franchise of the final four films. Now, let's get right into it with some of my favorite behind the scenes details of these amazing movies. Starting with the Order of the Phoenix. Neville Longbottom actor Matthew Lewis suffered from a perforated eardrum after moving his head too much when Helena Bonham Carter's Bellatrix had a wand in his ear. Poor Matthew was left deaf in one ear for a few days afterwards, but fortunately, both Helena and Matthew laugh about it to this day. While many fans criticise the scene of Voldemort appearing in a regular muggle suit, I personally call it Voldemuggle, director David Yates and producer David Heyman, double David, they both defend the scene with albeit conflicting views. Yates says this was Voldy's way of taunting Harry, showing him that he can get him even in the muggle world, whereas Heyman saw it as more of a figment of Harry's imagination, symbolising Voldemort slowly creeping out of Harry's mind, perhaps a foreshadow to Harry being the final Horcrux. We of course know the set designers love building the worlds that we appreciate on the big screen, but they had met their match with the Department of Mysteries. Building the set was far too expensive as they would need 15,000 crystal balls, making this the first completely computer-generated set in the series. Which is actually really impressive if you think about it, because look at the crazy places they've been up to this point. Next up, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Alan Rickman apparently was filled with nostalgia and glee witnessing Dumbledore's death in this film. Not something many people would say about the death of Dumbledore, but apparently it took him back to his first hit on the big screen, Die Hard, where he also fell from a tall building. I mean, to be fair, Hans Gruber very much deserved it. Rickman said he felt like he was on the other end in this film. Bonnie Wright played Jenny Weasley in the films, of course a beloved character, but Bonnie was also working double time behind the scenes of the movies. In The Half-Blood Prince, she was also working in the movie's art department, helping craft various items in the Weasley household. 
Bellatrix Lestrange is a pretty iconic villain in the franchise, but she was almost actually played by another actor in the film, Narcissa Malfoy actress Helen McCrory. Helen was initially up to play the role, but scheduling of the film couldn't account for the fact that she was pregnant. So Helena Bonham Carter took up the reins, and when McCrory was able, she came back for the role of the Malfoy matriarch, a role that apparently was initially aimed for Naomi Watts. Now for the Deathly Hallows Part 1. But first let's talk about both of these films because Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2 were filmed concurrently. This is actually often the case with multi-part movies that end the saga, like say Infinity War and Endgame, the Mockingjay movies and Hunger Games, but that's usually because the films are often intended to be one huge movie and then later decidedly switched to two just before shooting. Now it confused a lot of the cast at the time however because scenes were regularly shot out of order. They filmed scenes from part one on one day and then two on another. Sounds exhausting. Remember Harry Melling, Dudley Dursley, Harry's annoying half-brother? Many people point out that he'd lost a lot of weight throughout the course of the films, which was incredible. However, to keep in character, the costume team spent six months making him prosthetics that would look realistic enough to help him keep the shape of Dudley. Ironically though, they ended up cutting most of those scenes. Ray Fiennes' big victory speech was often switched a lot between takes. According to Jason Isaacs, Fiennes was really let loose on that day, getting caught up in the heat of the scene. He'd often switch his lines from the script, which really worked and allowed him to just get lost in the character. But I mean, it probably did confuse a lot of the crew and scene partners. The poor script supervisor was probably having a nightmare. And The Deathly Hallows Part 2 Speaking of improvisation, all of those moments where Voldemort would just hug and embrace Malfoy, they were improvised by Ray Fiennes, again, when he would get lost in the role. It's pretty common for seasoned actors to add their own flair to their roles that are a bit off script. I'm just imagining how confused a young Tom Felton would have been completely taken aback when that happened. One of the most memorable scenes of the film was when the gang visits Gringotts Bank to find the Horcrux. They get into Bellatrix's vault only for her multiplication curse to activate. The props department had to make around 210,000 gold coins for that specific scene alone. Just imagine the time it must have taken to get that level of detail in these movies. I mean, for some of the Patronus scenes, they got a dog to wear a bright glow suit just to make it feel really authentic and like an actual animal. Now let's talk about the reception of this movie. The box office only went higher with these final films, where the previous four averaged around the 800 million mark worldwide, aside from Philosopher's Stone hitting a solid billion, the fifth, sixth and seventh films of the franchise earned 900 million worldwide each, following with the final eighth installment reclaiming that sweet, sweet billion. And I mean, fair play to Deathly Hallows Part 2. Again, these films did also make some noise in award season. Half-Blood Prince earned itself a nomination in Best Cinematography, with Deathly Hallows Parts 1 and 2 both getting nominations in Art Direction, Makeup and Visual Effects. Some fans have expressed disappointment in the lack of wins at the Oscars for the franchise. However, when you look at who they've been up against, you can't exactly call it unfair. I mean, Hugo, Moulin Rouge, Lord of the Rings, it's been tough. My personal thoughts on the final four films of the franchise, I think I summed up well with Z and Brett. They were enjoyable. They decidedly get darker and I think that's a good thing. I really appreciate the franchise for attempting to grow with its audience. Though I think for me personally, nostalgia plays a huge role in my love of the franchise. I was a child watching the original few movies, so the tone set back then is the superior tone I feel the whole franchise should feel like. Therefore, my memory is a bit hazier on the darker ones, but that's just me. 
But I think the best way to describe this is that Harry Potter stays in the hearts of fans by always leaning on the one thing it's known for, magic. And I don't just mean all of the hocus pocus spells, I mean by how they create a universe that constantly was built upon in detail. Hogwarts evolved from a magical school to a wartime fortress by the end. Then you have things like the magical animals like Buckbeak or Nagini, the darker lore and flashbacks into the history of the universe. All of it just really getting you invested more and more. Not to mention the lasting impacts of how the franchise has grown out of the films. Everyone has wanted to visit Hogwarts and Diagon Alley, and now, thanks to more than a few theme parks and events, you always can. The magic and wonder of the brave fictional world that we all escaped into as a child never faded. There's a reason these films are often played around the holidays. They unite families, they remind us of comfort, wonder and warmth in an oftentimes otherwise colder and maybe chaotic reality. Between the awesome spells, real world connections and just impressive stories, I don't think anyone could argue that Harry Potter movies are simply iconic. And that's it, the final episode of the year. Thank you so much to all those who've been watching and supporting the podcast for the last few months. It's been amazing to be able to dive into my favorite movie franchises and just nerd out with you guys. Much love for the tweets, the comments, the reviews. They've been so sweet. Huge thanks to Sky Cinema for sponsoring the podcast. Remember, if you want to watch any of the films heard on this entire show, then head to Sky Cinema right now because it's all waiting for you. Now, speaking of exciting movies, did you hear that Sky Cinema's got a juicy team up with The View to get you some free tickets? Yes, free. Sky Cinema now includes two free View Cinema tickets every month. As much as it's great to watch films at home, there is just something special about catching an epic blockbuster on the big screen, especially with a friend. There were already a bunch of diverse and exciting movies on the Sky Cinema platform, but now you can catch some of the brand new flicks in cinema for free. Honestly, I'd say that's a great shout for any film fans. For more info on this, head to Sky Cinema and see how you can get your free view cinema tickets now. Big shout out also to my producer, Connor Morin, who's been backing this project from day one. He is the reason all the episodes are edited so great too, with all of the cool sound effects and everything. He's been sick. And shout out to the whole PixiU team for producing this show. With luck and support, this won't be the last time you hear a Theories by T podcast, but if you're going to miss me, just follow me on all my socials at Theories by T. TikTok, Insta, YouTube, all of them places, you know where to go. For the last time, I've been T, you lovely listeners, and that's the tea.